Well, it's good to be back with you, and I love this story. Strange stories from the Scriptures. There's a, there's a bunch of them, but man, there's so much stuff in there that we take home with us that becomes part of life and becomes part of our personal journeys and the experiences that we have with our Savior and our Lord. Um, when I got this assignment and I looked at it, you know, and there's this little section of the story where Balaam's actually talking to this talking donkey, but it's right in the middle of chapter 22 of Numbers, which is right in the middle of a very long narrative. And, and in order for it to make sense, I've got to kind of bring you forward a little bit so that we don't just jump into the tonky, talking donkey thing. Okay? So, so here's how it happens. People of Israel come out of Egypt. Moses is leading them. They go through the Red Sea. Uh, they have the whole Pharaoh thing. Pharaoh gets drowned, his army, all the rest, and they come out on the other side. And you get into Numbers chapter 1. It's interesting. It's called Numbers, uh, numbers and in chapter 1 it gives you a number that there's 603,550 men that came out of Egypt, plus the women and the children and the livestock and all the rest. And it is a massive group of people that are kind of wandering around and headed towards the promised land. As they're going, they're creating quite a stir. Some suggest that there could be upwards of two to two and a half million people that are going all over the place, right? And they come to the Amorites, and when they get to the Amorites, the Amorites are kind of freaking out, and, and, and Israel comes to them and says, look, all we want to do is pass through. We'll stay on the king's highway. We won't turn to the right. We won't turn to the left. We won't pillage your crops. We won't take your uh, grapes from the vine. We just want to walk through. And the king of the Amorites said, no. And so they went to war, and Israel just crushes them. And word spreads. Next up's Moab. The king of Moab is this guy by the name of uh, Balak, and, and, and he sees them coming, and it says that he is absolutely, well, my word, freaking out. Right? The people of Moab are saying things like, they're going to lick us up like the ox licks the dew up in the morning off the ground. They're dreading what's going on. Now, Balak thinks he's got a, a you know, special ringer on how he's going to deal with this situation. And so he sends his elders to this guy by the name of Balaam. And, and there's some just question as to who Balaam really is. Is he a prophet? Is he a seer? Uh, is he a witch doctor? What, is he, what does he do? But at least apparently what his reputation was is that he could put curses on people. Kind of like the curse of the goat and the Chicago Cubs thing, right? If you all remember all that from the last week. And so that he, was gonna, he wanted Balaam to curse Israel. And so these guys show up, and here, here's the thing that they're saying. Go to the slide, and King Balaam says to, 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 uh, to Balaam, Come now, curse this people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them, drive them from the land, for I know that he... Whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you cursed is cursed. This is his reputation. Here's Balaam's answer. God says to him, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, because the people are blessed. It's interesting that when the elders first came to him, Balaam says, spend the night here. Let me seek God's answer. And I'll get back to you. 
And this was God's answer. And so Balaam says, you know what? Go on to your way. Go on back to your land. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to do the thing that, that Balak wants me to do. Here's Balak's response. Let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will surely do you great honor, and whatever you say to me, I will do. In other words, Balaam, name your price. I got, I got nothing else but you. I want you to name your price so that you can come and you can curse these people for me. Here's Balaam's response. Please say the night that I may know what more the Lord will say. What had God already told him? No, you're not allowed to curse these people because I've blessed them. And what's Balaam doing? Maybe God will change his mind. You ever got yourself in a situation where you made one decision to do one thing and then another opportunity came up and you wanted to change your mind but found yourself stuck? This is big time for Balaam. Big time for Balaam. And God comes to Balaam and he gives him an answer. And here's the next one. He says, rise, go with them, but only do what I tell you. And when you look at that, it really kind of looks like on the surface that, that God's kind of on his side with this, even though he's already told him no. What, what the reality of it is, is God's saying, just go, I'm going to handle this another way. Now, one of the really important things we know about when we do Bible study is that Scripture interprets itself, or Scripture interprets Scripture. And, and, and in order to really kind of know what Balaam's done here, and that he's really kind of sold God out, because he's going to take this, these riches, is you've got to go all the way into the New Testament, into the second epistle of Peter, and you see in chapter 2 these words. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, talking about false prophets, and they have followed the way of Balaam, who loved gain from wrongdoing. So what does that say Balaam was going to do? He was going to take Balak up on it, wasn't he? He was going to take all the money that he could get, or all the honor that he could get, or all the stuff that was ever going to come his way, rather than follow the way that God said to go. All right? Now, this brings us to the actual story of Balaam and his donkey. So here's the passage. I hope you're going to turn and follow along with me. I'm going to read, okay? So here we go. Verse 22. But God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey. And his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey, to turn her into the road. And then the angel of the Lord stood in the path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. And so he struck her again. And then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. Don't miss that part. Because what did Balaam want to do? He wanted to change his mind. didn't want to follow the way of God. And what did God do in this moment? He put him into a confined place where Balaam couldn't turn to the right or to the left. May God give that to each of us, right, as we follow him, that we'd pick that straight path to follow. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she laid down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff, and the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you've struck me these three times? And what's absolutely fascinating to me is that Balaam just answers the donkey back. 
It doesn't say he fell down, he went nuts, ran away. He just looks at her and says, because you've made a fool of me. He's ticked off. I wish I had a sword in my hand and then I would kill you. You ever got that? This is like road rage back then, right? And the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey? On which you have ridden all your life along to this day? I mean, I can tell you, the donkey is like your favorite pickup truck back then. It was always there. You could count on it. It was there. It was loyal. It was your donkey. And yeah, they're a little bit stubborn, but they weren't too flashy. They didn't look like a Corvette, but they were always there. Is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, no. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in his way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. We're going to come back to that word. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. And then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Thou, therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. And the answer that God gives is on the next slide. God says through the angel, go with the men, but only say the things that I tell you to say. So now he goes to Balak. And they go and stand on high places overlooking two, two and a half million Israelites. And they set up places of worship, and they're going to offer sacrifices. And on the first little hill, they set up seven different altars and offer sacrifices to the pagan gods of Moab so that when he does curse them, it might happen, it might stick, it might take. And when that happens and when they do the sacrifice, Balaam speaks, and what he speaks over Israel is blessing. Balak's ticked. And he takes him to another mountain and to another hill overlooking these high places of pagan worship where they can see more of Israel and they do more sacrifices. And he turns to Balaam and Balaam blesses. And then he does a third time. And they do more of the sacrifice. And then Balaam stands over the people of Israel now and he blesses. When you and I have an opportunity to curse or bless, bless. And as God gave him the things to say, and as God set in front of Balaam the things that he wanted him to do because his people were blessed, he also gave him insight into something else, something that was going to come so many, 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 many years later. All the way in the book of Numbers, when Israel is just coming out of their captivity, he gives this glimpse into a thing that really is a messianic prophecy of the coming of Jesus the Messiah. And in the fourth oracle, we read this. 
Keep going to the next one. I've gone past this. Here it is. See him. I see him, but not now. Behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. There's one who is coming. There's one. He's not here yet. He's going to come like a star. The baby of Bethlehem, but that star that lit the way is the one that is still coming. The one who will bless when sin is cursed. Now what do we do with this story? Let me give you five takeaways. Ready? Here's the first one. Don't mess with God. God will accomplish His plan, His will, and His purposes, won't He? And He might even use anything that He wants to for His purposes. Even a donkey, or even His one and only Son to be our Savior. Here's the second thing. God doesn't give up on you no matter how perverse your way is. Remember what the angel said to Balaam? Your way is so perverse. And he had the right to kill him, didn't he? He had the right to judge him. And our God has the right to to judge us and to send us eternally away from him. But no matter how perverse our way is, he has given us his son so that number three might happen for us, that we would know him, that we could experience his forgiveness, and so that we could then follow him. Isn't that what happens to Balaam? He comes to know the true God. He experiences the forgiveness and then follows him and does the things and proclaims the blessings that God wanted him to do. Fourth thing. Remember that donkey that was so trustworthy, that donkey that was one that could be counted on? That was who Balaam had. Here's number four. God might want to use you as a donkey for someone else. I remember a day when I was so in love with this young lady in college by the name of Karen that I had gone through all the Mormon missionary classes and I was ready to be baptized as a Mormon. And I had some friends come and sit on my chest for an entire day and they were stubborn donkeys to me. And they loved me, and they talked to me. They were, here's the sub-points, someone I could trust. Here's the next one. Someone who I could depend on. And someone who was mule-headed enough to stick with it until I could hear God. Who do you know that's like that? Who do you need to put yourself in front of that isn't walking in a relationship with God? Who do you know that whose ways have become perverse, who had been walking with the Lord and has now chosen another direction? Who is it that you need to come alongside of and love as that trusted, dependable friend to be able to be the person who can help make that difference for them and for them to see the love, the hope, the wonder of the Savior? Here's my final point. You thought it was going to be the other word, didn't you? Let me pray for you. God, our Father, I thank you for strange texts, strange stories from Scripture, the wonder of how you 
come and speak into our lives and help us to know you and to understand you. And Lord, thank you for uh, the donkeys that you've put in our lives, the ones that we can trust and depend on and that can say things to us that we'll receive. Lord, may we be that for someone else, maybe today. Maybe there's someone that we just need to step into that relationship. Lord, thank you that no matter who we are, no matter how perverse we've been or even find ourselves in in the moment, that instead of judging us, killing us, setting us aside, you invite us into a relationship with you that we might know the rising star over Jacob, our Savior Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you bless all that happens on this campus today, that you would pour out your spirit and there would be people who'd come to know you maybe for the first time, those that would draw nearer to you than ever before and that you would empower those who follow you faithfully every day to even greater things of faith and experiences in serving you. And Lord, may your word go forth from here in a powerful way. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.